Episode 1, or should I say Reason 1, of our 50 Reasons to Visit Ireland. My name is Caitlin, and I spent a semester in Ireland. And I'm Joe, and I spent the first 22 years of my life in Ireland, and we both currently work at Crystal Travel and Tours in Boston. Over the next 50 weeks, we'll be breaking down many things that make Ireland such a spectacular destination for people to visit. It is an overused phrase, but there really is something for everyone there, and we intend to prove that. We have various themes we're going to focus on, and within those themes, we'll count up from 1 to 50. The first six reasons we're focusing on are different scenic regions. Today is Connemara, and we will reveal reason two at the end of today's episode. Dun, dun, dun! What could it be? We know what it is. We do know what it is. You know what it is. Don't pretend you don't know what it (laughs) is. (laughs) I do. I do. Uh, Connemara is an interesting area for... A number of reasons, but mostly for the accent, which is kind of different to a lot of... To an Irish person, every region in Ireland has a different accent, and some people are better at picking up on it than others. But when you're an American, generally, it's, there's <laughs> no different regional dialect. It's more just you're either straight off the boat or you've lost a bit of your Irish accent. I was actually furniture shopping the other day and the guy in there, there's a nice game I like to play when I meet a stranger American. Not that he's strange (laughs) or anything, but a person who I have not met before and who has not heard me speak. Um, I like to play a little game because I know that, you know, upwards of 50, 60, 70% of people recognize that I have an Irish accent or have a different accent. And You have an accent? There you go. Mm, now K- I know. K- now K- I find out. Caitlin's in the 30%, I guess. <laughs> um, they not always ask, but there's always some hint of recognition in their eyes, and they generally will say something. So it could start with, where are you from? Or it could be, what part of Ireland are you from? Or in this guy's case, it was, how long have you been over here? Whatever the question tends to be. And it's... It's their way of showing that they recognize that little bit more about the Irish accent. And sometimes people will ask, where are you from? And I'll say, Ireland. And they'll go, I know it's Ireland, of course. What part of Ireland? <laughs> so I've gotten into the habit They're of saying, offended. Galway in the west of Ireland is usually how I answer that question. But this guy asked, how long mm. have I been over? And I told him five years at this stage or a little over five years. And have you lost a bit of your accent? I think think, think you might have lost a bit of your accent there. Oh, my. Because he's an And expert. I'm like, oh, maybe. Maybe I have I maybe I did I started getting a little a little worried and offended I was like how I I don't want to lose my accent I want to keep that as best I can and I I had thought that I had kept it as best I could over five years you know I wasn't one of these people that were going home like yeah man yeah living in America love it over here love it um so I was a little bit worried about that but then I realized he had never heard me speak before how does that, how has he any idea whether I've lost my accent or not because. I'm not from the hills of Connemara, so I'm not going to have as strong an accent as somebody from there. And it's just, it depends. So, could I you, don't know, it taught me a lesson, I guess. <laughs> could you try an American accent for us right now? Absolutely not. Oh, uh, come on, Joe. Come maybe, on. maybe after I have a few drinks. I tend to <laughs> I tend okay. to put on a, a different voice entirely when I try to do an American accent rather than putting on an American accent. I 
changed my voice completely and it just it sounds wrong. Well, in all fairness, I can't do an Irish accent, so I guess Well, we're going to have to I make you try. That. If if I have to do an American accent, you have to do an Irish oh, one. Okay. But that's we're all not right. we are not going to start the podcast this way. Anyway, I think we'll move on to our, our fun fact at this stage. Uh fun fact is our very first segment, so that's exciting for us. We're going to do we're going to do a fun fact every week. Um, and this week I get to pick the fun fact and surprise Caitlin with it. She's going to do it next week, so on and so forth. Uh, one little disclaimer I have for our fun fact, and we won't give the disclaimer every week, but we will this week. Uh, we cannot guarantee that every fact will be fun, nor can we guarantee that it is going to be entirely factual, but someone somewhere will surely find it interesting. So My mom will. I think she we've, will. we've established that. <laughs> she will be the biggest fan she's of the gonna, fun facts. She's going to be all over it. Uh, to back this up, I have picked the perfect fact that may not quite be a fact for today to get the ball rolling. So, Caitlin, did you know that Peter O'Toole was born in Connemara? I did not know that. Fancy that. Did you know, or do you know yet, who Peter O'Toole is? Uh, the name sounds familiar. But you have no idea. The face I might know, but not together. No. That's fair. No, he's uh, definitely before your time, so that's understandable. He's before my time, too, with us. I'm going to say, don't age yourself that much, right, Joe? Come on now. Not that big an age gap between us. Peter O'Toole is a really famous Irish actor. He died a few years ago. Um, But he would be, or I would consider him the Leonardo DiCaprio of his time. Up up until last year, obviously. Hey, now. All right. Peter O'Toole was nominated for eight Academy Awards, eight Oscars, and he never won. Mm. And he is dead now, unlike Leo, who finally got his Oscar last year. Um, (laughs) But Peter O'Toole was also great friends with Richard Harris, um, who's another famous Irish actor. And again, you're probably sitting there going, Richard Harris. I know the name. Maybe I recognize that name. I know the name. He was the emperor in Gladiator before he was killed by Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Spoiler spoiler alert from... Seven, 16 or 17 years ago and he was also the original Dumbledore in Harry Potter oh um, he was the best Dumbledore then yes and when he he was the one everybody wishes yeah he was yeah. great and when mm-hmm. he died um, Peter O'Toole was touted to replace him as Dumbledore but it just never happened which was unfortunate Ugh. but they were really good friends anyway and Peter O'Toole was apparently born in Connemara but there is he doesn't even know where he was born because <laughs> there is word that he may have been born in Leeds in the United Kingdom as well um, and he doesn't know himself, but How he is does always he not know? Ireland That's... in the 1920s or whatever it was was a an odd place. So okay. <laughs> record keeping was not a not a forte for the Irish back then. Not one of their strengths. Huh? No, no. But he always considered Ireland home. And as far as I know, his ashes were actually brought home to Connemara. In the end, there is a great video online of him. It's my one. Of, I won't say one of my favorite things on the internet, but it was a great introduction to him when I was researching Peter O'Toole many years ago when I was like what's the what's the big buzz about this guy because he was obviously was before my time and I didn't know much about him there is a great video on YouTube of him doing an interview on Letterman and he entered the studio on a camel a real camel because he was in his first major breakthrough and his first Oscar nomination was for Lawrence of Arabia which is obviously a huge movie from the 60s and yeah he he entered the Letterman studio, it was in London actually at the time, they, they were doing a series in London, uh, he entered the Letterman studio on the back of a camel smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I mean, that's how uh, I got to work today, and then, <laughs> so what's, what's, what's actually, different about that? Actually, it is balmy out there today, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that is true. But yeah, it's a great video, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes because I, I do think it's it's very funny and the amount of 
I hate using this word, but the amount of swag this guy had was unbelievable. Anyway, he was born in Connemara. That's what our fun fact is today. And that's what we're going with. So Connemara is a borderless region. It's in West Galway. It begins almost as soon as you get out of Galway City going west. Connemara National Park does lie at the heart of Connemara, but also makes up a tiny fraction of the entire Connemara region. It's the largest region in Ireland where the Irish language is still widely spoken, but don't worry, the locals will know by the look of you that you only speak English, which I can vouch for. It's, it's an uncanny knack they have. They take one look yes. at you and they, they know which language to greet you in. Absolutely. Um, Don't know how they do it, but they do. Clifton is the capital of Connemara, the Connemara region, and it is way out there near the West Coast. There are a lot of peninsulas, or peninsulae, or peninsulae. Not I wish I knew. To- not totally sure. <laughs> I wish I knew that. Um, lots of islands, including the Aran Islands, the very famous Aran Islands, Inishmore, Inishman, Inishir. And it is covered in mountains as well. If you've ever been to an Irish bar in the US called the Twelve Bends, you've got Connemara to thank for that, because that is the main mountain range in Connemara. Hmm. So what would you say some other highlights are of the region, Joe? Other highlights? Well, my favorite place or my favorite definite photo opportunity there would be Kylemore Abbey, which is a big one. Oh, I love Kylemore Abbey. Um, A Benedictine Abbey run by nuns doesn't exactly scream major tourist attraction to anybody who you try and sell it to in that way, (laughs) but it is very rich in history and has just these wonderful walled gardens. Even if you don't stop there and take a tour, as I said, it's got a it's a great place for a photo opportunity. Uh, we've got we've put together a little album, uh, a Connemara album, if you will, on our Crystal Travel blog, and we will put a link in the show notes for that too. And our very own Katie here in the office is one of probably hundreds of thousands of people who uh, had their photo taken in front of the Abbey. <laughs> Katie went; she actually went on a a work trip. She got to go on a work trip to Connemara, and that was where her grandmother was born. So she got to the tour was actually stopped for her. Oh, that's um, cool. In Linan, the the village that her grandmother was from, and she got to take a picture in front of the the sign from the village there, which was nice, mm, nice for there. Yeah. Um. So lovely bit of history there. Do you happen to have a quick history lesson for us on Kylemore? I do. Uh, I took a bus tour from Galway to Kylemore, and I learned all about it. The origin of Kylemore Abbey is nothing short of a love story with a touch of tragedy, because that's Ireland for you. Typical Ireland. Typical yeah. Ireland. Uh, <laughs> we, love, we love our misery over there. Always. A little bit of tragedy for you. Let's set the scene, shall we? So it's 1852, and successful businessman Mitchell Henry, he's honeymooning in Connemara with his new bride, Margaret Vaughn. They've just sat down to lunch in the town of Kylemore. Margaret's taking a sip of her tea, and she says, Mitchell, this area is gorgeous. Let's live here. Except she's got... You know, that Irish accent that I can't do, (laughs) you know, (laughs) pretend there wasn't a little accent there. So being the newlywed that he is, Mitchell's not in the business of upsetting his wife. That is very smart, man. Happy wife, happy life. I would say so. I I think he's, yeah, I think he's on to something there. So it, it takes 13 years and not just a house, but a castle stands overlooking a tranquil, glossy Connemara Lake. It's absolutely gorgeous. I can vouch for that myself. Uh, They live quite comfortably there. Uh, They've got a ballroom, grand staircase, library, study, nine children to attempt to fill their, you know, 33 bedrooms. A small Irish family bag. So so (laughs) modest. Oh, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Ten years later, on a trip to Egypt, sadly, Margaret contracts a fever and she passes away. Uh, so, you know, the moral there is don't ever leave Ireland, right? There you go. Just, just never leave. What do you want to be in Egypt for? <laughs> exactly. Uh, hello. To cope with his grief and honor his wife's memory, Mitchell builds a church on the property 
as her final resting place. And then, really sweet Joe, years later, Mitchell's also buried there when he passes away. Wow. How's that for a love story for you? That is a... I was going to say Romeo and Juliet, but it's completely different to Romeo and Juliet. Take that, P.S. I love you. Take that, all right? (laughs) Sure, Butler. Uh, Yeah, in the early 1900s, it was then sold to the Duke and Duchess of Manchester, and they were kind of jerks, as far as I can tell, so it didn't last long with them. They completely renovated it, and I won't say made a mess of the inside, but the locals were not happy with what they Mm, did with it. Not cool. Not many years later, in 1920, it was taken over by a group of Benedictine nuns, and they have been there ever since. Or, if I am allowed to make a pun, they currently inhabit it. Oh my. Yeah, I've, oh, I've, been, you're working, welcome. I've been working on that one all week, guys. You're Don't welcome, worry. everybody. Um, we would recommend probably spending about two hours there. It's uh, just a really nice place. But if you do not have two hours, if you're just kind of passing through, there, it's just it's a stunning photo opportunity, as I've said before. And a little quick walk around the beautifully manicured gardens is kind of a must as well. Uh, your turn, Caitlin. What's your favorite thing to do in Connemara? Well, Kylemore isn't far from another absolutely beautiful, stunning part of the region. My favorite part. It's the Connemara National Park. I still can't get over how just gorgeous the photos are that I took there. The mountains, you've got the bogs, you've got grass and woodlands. It's just absolutely beautiful. The park also has four of the aforementioned 12 bends, a mountain range that's dominant, um, and it's the dominant feature of Connemara. They're not too high, but they make for great walking and climbing opportunities. Yeah, I won't say mountains (laughs) is kind to them. They're more... Big hills, but yes, yeah, I mean, they're, yes. <laughs> they're, would, they are gorgeous. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, so Connemara is a great place. You can go hiking, biking, or just explore the outdoors in general. You don't have to be outdoorsy to appreciate it, though, I will say. Uh, but some have described it as an adventure playground. It's, you know, some people are turned off by that word adventure because they think they're not cool enough for that kind of vacation. And it... it I won't say I see it all the time, but it's like, oh no, we're not we're not adventure people. We we do like to go hiking and walking, <laughs> but you know, maybe maybe some horse ride, horseback riding on the beach, but we're not adventure types. That that is adventure and that's counted as adventure these days. You don't have to be into, you know, spelunking and co-steering or jumping out of a plane from X number of feet in the in the sky. Um yeah, the hiking and biking is it's all part of the great outdoors and getting outdoors. Um, a great idea would be to take an adventure day tour from Galway if you don't have the time to do, you know, explore Connemara thoroughly. You can take a day tour from Galway and you can kind of mix and match between what you want to do and, you know, take it at your own pace. If you are into the jumping off cliffs and, um, I don't know, caving, that kind of thing, you can do all of that. Or you can go kayaking, you can just hike, you can climb one of the big hills rather than mountains <laughs> but you can also during that day you would get taken to Kyle Moore and you get lunch in a small village and that kind of thing it's all quite cool and if you're still not at all outdoorsy and you're more indoorsy in the pub by the fire kind of person you can also take a kind of a Connemara pub crawl where you again get picked up in Galway in the morning and you do see a lot of scenery but you also stop at five different bars during the day and get taken back to Galway in the evening to continue your night on. So there is a lot of different stuff that you can do. Not a bad way to spend the day. Pop I mean, crawl. I could go, you know, I maybe could a do, little... I could do them back to back. I do the adventure on the first so. day and then the, the pub crawl on the second day. There you go. There you go. You will hear us talk about the Wild Atlantic Way quite a lot this year. Uh, it's the longest defined coastal route in the world. 
It stretches the entire west coast of Ireland. Two of the main stopping points are in Connemara, Killary Harbor, and Derigamla. <laughs> This is uh, this is gonna make this our, our uh, Irish language challenge. class later fun because this is not a hard <laughs> word to pronounce. Derigimla. 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 Derigimla because it is so far out there on the west coast. Next parish, Manhattan, as they say, it's famous for a number of firsts. So here we go, Joe. You ready? I am. In 1919, you've got Alcock and Brown. They're the first pilots to fly nonstop across the Atlantic. Before they crash landed safely, apparently in Derigimla Bog. How does one crash land safely? Yeah, at I my don't head? know. I'm really <laughs> not sure about like that. I feel like the word crash implies <laughs> unsafe. You know, all this stuff dating back to like the early 1900s. We've got uh, Peter O'Toole doesn't know where he's born. We've got we've got a safe that's, crash landing. That's How did people yeah. live back then? You know. All right. So the first permanent transatlantic radio station was also built there. Where? What? Where? In Derigimla. Good job. Oh, thank you. I thought, <laughs> She's oh got no. The pronunciation down. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there, guys. Um, yes, it was born in Derigimla uh, more than a century ago by Italian inventor. Here we go. Guglielmo. 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 Guglielmo Marconi and transmitted the first transatlantic radio signal in 1907. At its peak, the station employed several hundred people who helped transmit news across the ocean. Killary Harbor is Ireland's only true fjord and forms the border between Galway and Mayo. It boasts some of the most spectacular scenery in the west of Ireland, and it's difficult not to take a cruise on the harbor when you're there, I will say. The thing that interests me most about Connemara is the uh, the next parish Manhattan thing. I know it's only a, a stupid saying, but at the same time, you are so far out there, and obviously you can't see America from there but <laughs> the next if you were to jump in a boat and sail across the next place you would hit would be the US I think it's, it's I think it's actually Boston if, if you are to leave in a straight line from there it's technically Boston but yeah I mean next parish Manhattan is pretty cool that must surely be everything Connemara has to offer no no oh. we're not we're, we're nearly finished but we're not finished <laughs> Connemara has some really, really great accommodation as well. Um, it's got a couple of castle hotels, and again, they're way out there as well, and they're legitimate castles, which is really cool. Um, just wonderful, really spectacular castles that you can stay at out, I won't say in the middle of nowhere, but pretty much in the middle of nowhere. And as well as that, then it's got some really, really great, you know, the B&Bs that you imagine you would stay at, the bed and breakfasts where the... Irish families, they're welcoming you at the door and you're staying in their room and you're part of the family for the couple of days that Cozy you're there. cottage. Probably an open fire with Love turf it. and all that. And they make the best breakfasts in the world as well, obviously. Love it. Um, yeah, so you'll find them there. You can imagine yourself kind of leaving one of them and walking to the little village pub and <laughs> cozying in there for the night after a day of touring around Connemara. It's really, really nice. Um, other than that, people don't go to Ireland for the weather. But, and obviously you need weather to go to beaches most of the time, but Connemara has some amazing beaches too, and they can be enjoyed any day of the year. If you're not looking to get your tan on, well, you're, I, think you're, you're, <laughs> I think you're set. You don't want to go to Ireland looking for a tan anyway, because you <laughs> might not, it might not work out for you. Um, but yeah, and other than that, Connemara has some great festivals that it offers throughout the year in Various different little villages. I know there's one in Mam Cross, which is, I would even hesitate to call it a village. It's more of a crossroads, but it does have a, a good festival during the year. 
and the Connemara Pony Show in Clifton during the summer is another one. And you'll find all these sorts of different, really rural Ireland festivals if you if you want to look for them. And they take place in various different areas in Connemara. That is all we have on, I guess, facts and the area itself. But I was wondering, Caitlin, if you had any personal experience of being in Connemara yourself? Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, I, I did go to Connemara in spring of 2012 with some very good friends. We actually stayed in Galway, so kind of what you said earlier about taking a day trip. We, we took a tour bus and went around Connemara. And, you know, you, you're taking in the scenery, so we, we go to Kylemore Abbey. It's beautiful. And then our driver takes us, you know, further into the National Park as we mentioned earlier, um, taking in how beautiful everything is. We see this fenced area, you know, coming up on our left-hand side, Joe. And all of a sudden, our driver starts to slow down. We're thinking, okay, well, uh, this wasn't a scheduled stop, but what's going on? And then I look out my window, and I see this beautiful fairy tale like pony uh, running up to the fence. And our driver says, we're going to stop here for, for a moment. Uh, if you'd like to get out, take take a little... That was nice of him. I know, right? They're very nice in Ireland, mm-hmm. I will say. Uh, if you want to see the pony, take a photo, pet it, you know, all that jazz. So looking back now, <laughs> in retrospect, uh, 2017 Caitlin would have told 2012 Caitlin that this was probably a routine stop. Because the driver had an apple ready to, to feed the pony. <laughs> and the apple's very important in this story. So innocent at the time. <laughs> stay, stay with me. Stay with me on this, guys. So the apple's very important. Yes. Very innocent. Very naive. Um, I get off the bus with a few of my friends. And uh, we're a few of the last to see said pony. And I, you know, I'm leaning in. I'm near the fence. I'm so excited. Ready to send a, a candid photo back to... My dear mother, who... staged photo. Yeah, well, your word's not mine, okay? Your word's not mine. So, uh, yes, I'm leaning in, and what I don't realize, uh, again, naive Caitlin, 2012, is the pony is still chewing on this apple, all right? So I lean in, I got this big silly grin on my face, and all of a sudden, I feel this weird little tug. I think, what's going on here? This is, this is a little strange. And then I feel this chomp. And I go to turn, and this pony is biting my shoulder. <laughs> he bit me. I am a Conmara pony survivor. I does live your, to tell the tale. Does your shoulder look like an apple? Mm, you know were you, what? Were you you know time? what? In retrospect, looking back, and there is a photo that we will be um, also providing a link to or posting. I was wearing kind of a cherry pink sweater. Oh, so, so it. yes. So it, it, the pony, you know. He was on to something there. I don't know how. <laughs> he got some hair, so I don't know what he thought, you know, blonde hair, I guess, I guess he'd apple, I don't know. What, maybe he's <laughs> colorblind for all we know. Anyways, I can attest to the fact that I'm a Conmara pony survivor. Um, I did not see the actual bite, but she did show me the photos beforehand of before and after. And uh, it does. It definitely looks like the pony did bite her. So we'll put them in the show notes as well Tragic. for anybody who wants to take a look. Tragic. My first memory of Conmara is probably 20 years ago now and it's always scary for me to say something like that as a 28 year old <laughs> going to 20 20 years ago I oh gosh you know, it's, it's weird yeah, my father was a manager for one of the local football teams when I say football I'm talking Gaelic football 
Um, so different sports to the American football that I have grown to love over here. But he was a manager of the local team at the time. And as a young a young fella, we would, uh, or me and my brothers would love to go to the games and, you know, play water boy and kind of hand out the jerseys and all that before the game. So we were going to a game in Carrow when, I, I don't know, I was probably eight or ten, I suppose. And we were going to a game in Carrow, which is probably an hour into Connemara, an hour, you know, the west side of Galway. And I don't think, I, I had never been to the pitch before and I don't ever remember being um, in Carrow before. So I was kind of excited to see what it was. I didn't get the, the deal with Connemara at the time. I was like, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. It's just crappy roads and whatever. But I was excited to go to a new football pitch and to, to see what it was like. Mm-hmm. So we got about an hour outside Galway and I don't think my father knew where the pitch was either. But what we used to do when we were looking for a football pitch in rural Ireland anywhere was we would look for the goalposts because the goalposts were the tallest man-made structure in the area because, you know, obviously it'd be rural and they'd be, I don't know how many meters in the air, they'd be taller than any of the houses and <laughs> you might see them peeking through the trees and go, well, that's where your pitch is because most little towns or whatever would only have one pitch at most. So we were driving down this windy road that he thought he knew where it was and we eventually saw goalposts in the distance. I was like, how is it possible that there's going to be a football pitch here because we were surrounded by hills and fields filled with rocks and just greenery and bog and whatever else and sure enough we got down there and cut out in the middle of this was like a 150 yard pitch with goalposts perfectly green perfectly straight but then surrounding it was just these fields that I had seen covered in rock and whatever it was just this little place in the middle of nowhere where the community came together to I guess play each other at sport or to you know socialize or whatever because the GAA the Gaelic Athletic Association which runs Gaelic football over there it's just it's this one big community that allows because a lot of these rural areas especially in Connemara people might not see each other that much and this is just one way for them to connect and come together and we came together and our football team played Carrow Rose football team and then we went all all went back for sandwiches and tea afterwards and probably a couple of drinks for the people who were of age and it was just it was surreal it was one of the more the first surreal moments of my life looking at this pitch that was just dug out of rock in the middle of nowhere and was you know put together with love I guess and uh, brought this community together of you know a handful of people probably because it is not a, a densely populated area it was just it was just really cool I thought so that's my that's my personal story from Connemara and again I'm probably romanticizing it a lot in my head right now I haven't I don't know if I've ever gone back to that pitch since but I would I would love to go back now to see see what it looks like and see if my memory is is correct eight-year-old Joe was yeah you know anyway that brings us to our next segment which is our hidden gems and I need to add another caveat to this that our hidden gems may not always be hidden and they certainly may not be gems but what you're gonna do? What you gonna do? <laughs> it's a segment. What you gonna do? Um, yes. So this hidden gem that I'm about to share with you is something I'm all too familiar with. So I will gladly take the reins. Pun somewhat intended. Oh, you're about to find oh. out. You're about to find <laughs> out. What it I didn't is. get that one. <laughs> oh, but you will. The Conmara pony. Hence reins. You, you know. Go. Hence yeah. And you thought Joe's pun was bad earlier. The Connemara pony is the largest mammal you'll find in the National Park. 
you'd have a hard time avoiding seeing one, even if it's just off in the distance, as they're an iconic part of this area's countryside. So you really can't miss them. It's said that a herd of purebreds were presented um, to the state by Ireland's late president, Childers. Odds are you'll see their direct descendants in Connemara. Connemara ponies are strong, they're intelligent, they're very hardworking. Sound like some, something that would, you know, maybe we could employ them here, get them, <laughs> get them helping out with our marketing team. Maybe you could, maybe you could ride one of them to work and There you go. I, 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 le- I give the camel a break. <laughs> I give the camel a break. Take the pony. They're perfect for Connemara's uh, wild, unforgiving landscape. So don't let my story fool you uh, from earlier. Despite my run-in, Connemara ponies actually make excellent pets. They have strong builds and a really good ability to jump. So, Joe, this helps them um, do very well in Connemara's annual pony show festival. The one in uh, Clifton. Yes, in Clifton. Um, I have a... I was going to say interesting. I find it interesting. Other people might be like, what the hell is he talking about? (laughs) But when I came over to Boston first, I did a bit of work on buildings and stuff like that, as, you know, everybody tends to do when they come over here. And we had a cop on detail one day, and I was talking to him a little bit, and he asked me if I was one of the black Irish. And I (laughs) laughed it off, had no idea what he was talking about. Uh, never heard the phrase black Irish before. What does that even mean? I, I assumed it was a questionably racist term and I was just <laughs> yeah. kind of trying to get out of the situation. Um, but he knew, he realized that I had no idea what he was talking about and he went and Googled it for me and he was like, yeah, the black Irish. So again, I, I kind of was supposed to be working. So I tried to get back to doing that. But I did uh, research it since or probably later that day. And I realized that the Black Irish is technically a thing. There's a few different explanations as to where the Black Irish came from, but what they are is um, more sallow-skinned or darker-skinned Irish people than you would expect. I know that there's the stereotype of all Irish people having red hair and freckles, freckles. and white skin that burns in any sun. That, that's <laughs> definitely not my case. I'm not. I'm not very dark, but I do have slightly sallower skin, so that's where he... And obviously it was... The height of summer in Boston, so I had a I had a pretty good tan going at the time, so that's where he <laughs> came from. But my research suggested that uh, the Spanish Armada that crashed off the coast of Galway and Connemara in uh, I want to say the fifteen hundreds. I can't actually remember, but it was maybe it was the seventeen hundreds. Um, the Armada crashed off the coast of Ireland, and the theory goes that many of the survivors managed to get ashore came inland, married Irish ladies, and, you know, started having children and generations and generations. They continue to have this darker Spanish skin, and that's supposedly where I came from. (laughs) But that has nothing to do with Connemara ponies. The Spanish Armada also was carrying these Arabian stallions, apparently, and they say that some of them may have made it ashore as well and started breeding with whatever horses were in Connemara at the time, and hence... The Connemara pony was little, born. Little Spanish ancestry so that's, uh, for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so maybe they're not, maybe they're not uh, as legitimately from Connemara as they say, but that's the, that's hmm. where I have found the theory coming from anyway. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. This is the part that Caitlin's been dreading. We're yes, going yes. to teach Caitlin some Irish. Oh, uh, God. And, uh, Joe's favorite part. We're calling this segment, and I was very cleverly named this, Caitlin and Conch, which translates from Irish to Caitlin talking. Um, every week I'm going to teach Caitlin a different Irish phrase, hopefully something to do with the theme that we're talking about. 
that might help you if you are in the area or, you know, maybe not. Maybe it's just going to be there to complicate things for Caitlin, hopefully. Maybe you can just impress your friends and... Yeah, who knows? You know. But either way, she's probably going to hardcore butcher some, oh, uh, <laughs> some, uh. Irish, some Irish language here. I haven't shown her what the phrase is in English, nor have I shown her what it is in Irish. So this is going to be her first time to see it. Oh, God. Which will be, which will be fun. Okay, so I'm going to pull this thing up on the screen, and we're going to have you read it pretty much as it comes up, Caitlin. Oh, so boy. Here we go. That's, there it is. Oh. Read that first big line first, with the big writing. All right. Conus tattoo. And when you read the, the that's, that's close enough. Go more on. of it. More of it. <laughs> yeah. Ta may go maith. And there's a comma. So ta may go maith. Go <laughs> rib maith agate. And that's exactly know. right. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> I crushed it. This might be funnier to me than than anybody else because of what <laughs> I know this actually says and what what she's trying oh, to say. Oh gosh. The first line says, Conus tattoo. That's what I said. Close enough. You said, Conus tattoo. And we, <laughs> we should replay it back. Jack, Conus tattoo means, how are you? Okay, so try it again. Conus tattoo. Conus tattoo. Not bad. And then the answer to that is going to be, Ta me goma. Ta me. Oh, oh no. Ta, baby steps. Baby ta. steps. Ta. Yeah. Ta me goma. Ta me goma. Yeah. Gorama Agath. Gorama Agath. That's not bad. Do you want to try and do it all in one? Oh, dear Okay, I'll, I'll ask you. Can I talk to you, Caitlin? Tame Goma Goreme Agath. Lost it towards the end. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll accept it for today, though. We won't, <laughs> we won't do any more of that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a little more of that next week. And we will, again, we'll put the translation in the show notes. And for any of you hardcore Irish speakers out there who wish to pull me up on my uh, pronunciation, I know it's not perfect. <laughs> it's been many years since I've done Irish in school or whatever, but uh, for now, it's it, it's good enough to uh, to get somebody learning. Uh, Caitlin, do you want to give us our tour for the reason? Yes. Uh, so for this episode, our tour for Connemara is... Westport to Kilkee, um, focusing on the Wild Atlantic Way. We talked about the Wild Atlantic Way earlier, right? We did, we did. This tour really lets Ireland shine front and center. You get six days, five nights, you see the beautiful West Coast, flying in and out of Shannon Airport, which is a great area to start and end your trip. On the first day, you'll see the fjord of Killary Harbor. This is one of those great spots, as we mentioned earlier, for hiking, biking, canoeing, even archery, if you're up for it, if you want to give it a shot. I don't know if I would, but that is your call. Later on that day, you'll end your night in Clifton, a really fun, unofficial capital of Connemara that we mentioned earlier. Here, you get the chance to have a pint, listen to great traditional Irish music, and just overall have a great time. Or the crack, as the Irish say, and that's C-R-A-I-C. As opposed to crack cocaine or something like absolutely, that. Absolutely, <laughs> which is frowned upon in com- Ireland. Completely different. As it is in America. Yes. You'll leave there uh, the next morning and you find yourself driving along the Dairy Gimla. There we Excellent. go. The Dairy Gimla bog, where all those firsts were that I mentioned earlier. This is really a time to explore Connemara and you're right there in the middle of all the action that we talked about earlier. Over the next few days, you get must-see spots like Galway City, 
Keep in mind, when the Irish want to have a good time, this is where they go. So I, I can attest to that. I went to college in Galway <laughs> for, for three years. All right. Uh, well, there yeah. we have it. So, yes, you know you're in for a treat if you're in Galway City. Then you'll move on to other prime destinations like the Burren, the Cliffs of Moher, and Kilkee. And as this is a self-drive tour, you get the chance to do all of this at your leisure. Ireland is there at your beck and call, and you can really make this trip your own, which is awesome. You know, if you want to spend more time, say, in I, Connemara, it's, it's, in Galway City. Boom, In, in my are. opinion, it's the only way to, to do a tour of Ireland. I in the totally agree. All this you have while staying at charming hotels, a and b and even a castle. So, uh, so not too bad. Not sounds too like bad. an awesome tour to me, and yeah, I, should, I should know because I created it. So. Oh, well, fancy <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah, and to fi- if you want to take a look at this tour yourself, if you go to our company website, crystal-travel.com forward slash reasons, every week we're going to do a tour of the week, and we will just put a link to that tour there so you can find it easily. Again, we'll put the, that particular link in the show notes every week just so you can't miss it. And uh, if you mention, if you do decide to get a quote for that tour and mention the podcast, we will look at giving you something maybe free or special, or Ooh. you know, let's uh, let's keep you in in suspense. There over you that go. One. There you go. That's all we have for today. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for listening today. We really appreciate it, and we hope you will stay tuned for reason two. I get to do the drum roll it, again. Hold up, hold up! Before you get too excited, all I gotta right. let them know it comes out Monday, January twenty third. And reason two is, here you go, Joe, here you go, here you go, the Burren. The Burren, a beautiful scenic region in County Clare, and it's got a really a lot going on there, including one of Ireland's uh, biggest attractions, so we're really excited to talk about that next week. Yay! So we'll have all of that ready for you next week. Until then, uh, you can search for us on Facebook, 50 Reasons Podcast, and we also hope you'll visit our website, 50reasonspodcast.com. And that's five zero, not 50 spelled out. Five zero. Five zero. All right. Well, thank you again. And until next time. Slow on a while, yeah.